Matthew chapter 5, we, we stopped in verse 20, verse 20 last week, but let's, let's begin reading uh, in verse 20 because it provides the, uh, the left-hand bookend for this passage, and verse 48 provides the right-hand bookend for, for this passage. Matthew 5, verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going to court with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would, who would borrow from you. You have heard, it, heard that it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For, I'm, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. 
And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Did you catch that at the beginning of this, uh, this, this list? of they, they call them six antitheses. I don't want to have to say that word too many times. It's kind of a, you know, a tang tungler. But at the beginning he says, your, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees or you will not, never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then at the end he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Sermon on the Mount is a difficult thing to to achieve, to, to do, to, to even get your brain around, let alone per perform all of these things. Remember, this is, this is happening about a year into Jesus' ministry. That, that, that Matthew, as many of ancient historians, they didn't always write in perfect chronological order like we would do, not, not necessarily a, a linear history. A, a good way to to resolve this, or, or to just see how it how everything fits together, is is to to find a, uh, what's called a harmony of the gospels. Sometimes Bibles will have them on a few pages at the back. Uh, A. T. Robertson put published one way back in 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 the in the mid. 20th century. It's, it's about that thick, and he takes every scripture and puts it in, in order. So these things that we're reading about in, in Matthew 5, they, they actually come after John 5, where, where Jesus had turned the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. He had gone to his first Passover during his public ministry in, in Jerusalem and, and had driven out money changers. The scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the Sadducees, they already hate Jesus uh, tremendously. They, they, they want to get rid of him. He is a popular teacher. He's not only been, been teaching, gathering disciples, calling disciples, he has been healing you know, multitudes, many, many people uh, of diseases. And so his, his following is, is growing, growing. It's, it's, it's probably even what you would say is already immense. He is an, an immensely popular teacher, rabbi, uh, prophet. And, and so he's, he's moved his, his headquarters, his, his base to Capernaum. They're on the north part of the, the Sea of Galilee, out of Judea out of the, 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 the province that, that would contain Jerusalem. And, and, and he, it, the, the, the sermon occurs, he says that, that seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, the side of this mountain, and he, and he sits down and he begins speaking, teaching his disciples. Now, if you grew up in church and, and, and primary Sunday school and junior Sunday school, you've seen these pastoral pictures, you know, that they used to use as illustrations of, of, of this, this beautiful scene. Everything's green and, and Jesus is teaching and there's children running around. There, there are, uh, you know, families there and, and everything seems idyllic. And, and, it, and it was to, to some degree. But listen to what he says... And, and just how provocative this would be to, to that first audience. And consider how provocative it would be to our society 
as, as, as well. Our culture, the world that we live in, the nation that we live in, even the state that we live in, that these things are, are foreign to modern teaching. These, these, these first century hearers, they, they, they hear him say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have probably a, a different view of the scribes and Pharisees than they had. They, they were looked up to as, as ones who would uh, uphold the law, they, they would obey the law, they would in, interpret the law, uh, follow the law, and, and teach the law. They were, they, they were seen to be righteous and godly. And so if Jesus says, your righteousness has to exceed that of, of, of these people, it'd be like, how can it ever, how can I ever do that? And then he concludes it with, unless you be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, it's like, I don't have a chance. There's no way that I can be perfect as, as, as God is. And so what it, what it does, it, it pushes us to grace, to, to this I imputed righteousness that we put on the righteousness of Christ. But, 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 but before we get there, let's look at what, what he's saying here. That, that he says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And so he has six parts here, six antitheses that, he's, that he shares, that he begins each one with, you have heard it was said to those of old. It's like you've grown up knowing these things. This is part of the, the Mosaic law. And all of them are except... Uh, I, I think it's the last one, and it's kind of a twisted uh, little, little bit on hating your enemies. That is not part of the Mosaic law. But, but, it, but then he, he says, but I say to you, my teaching is different. Remember, he's, he's popular. These crowds are following him. He's not always done what the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the Sadducees would have, would have allowed or, or taught. And so he, 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 he began this, this fuller um, part of his, of his message with, don't think I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it, to complete it, to accomplish it to the, to the fullest. And this is how you do it. He starts with, 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 with murder, um, that, that, that through this passage, these uh, 18 verses... He, he states God's commandments, but then he presses them beyond that original command to the righteousness that God intends. Okay, the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, they, they took those laws that God had commanded and then they interpreted them. Like, for instance, how far one could walk on the Sabbath without it becoming work. And it was basically, a, a, I, think, a, I think I read a thousand steps. And, but, and if it was beyond that, then you were working and so you were, you were sinning. He, he came to fulfill the law. And then here he's explaining the true sense of the law and, and leading his disciples to a righteousness that includes legal obedience, but it goes beyond that, that it includes Deeds are, are 
are uh, actions of the heart. I mean, because you know how our hearts are. It's like we can, we can fully abide by a law, but, but in our heart we can, we can violate every, every principle of it. So he, 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 he states the law and, and then he, he, he begins to uh, forbid dis, dispositions that occur out of it. The first one is, is murder or kill. And we were, we were talking earlier before the formal beginning of the class, like what is the difference in murder and kill? And, and I disappointed, uh, well, I'll go ahead and say, I disappointed Nina because I said, oh, I didn't even look it up. I, I, I just, I didn't think to look up what is the, the Greek word that he, he uses here. But, you know, when you read the King James, especially going back to Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not kill, you know. But, but now we, 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 it's, it's mostly translated murder because of the difference in, in, in killing, almost like there's a justifiable killing, but, you know, in, in, in war or self-defense or something, as opposed to murder, taking an, an innocent life. So Jesus says, you, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, if anyone is angry with his brother, he'll be liable for judgment. That he, 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 he begins with, with the command, and then he says, furthermore, if you're angry, you're liable for judgment. And, and, and furthermore, indeed, if anyone who calls his brother this or this is, 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 is liable to, for, for judgment. And then he goes even beyond that, saying, and beyond that, if a brother is angry with you, or beyond that, if an adversary is angry with you, here, here, are the, here are the consequences. <clears throat> you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anyone who ever, whoever insults his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell, to the hell of fire. That, that he expands it to matters of the heart. What leads to murder? I mean, unless you're a hitman, that you're just—it's just the money. But what leads to murder? Do you remember the first murder? Cain killed Abel. What does it say? It's Genesis four. What does it say after God accepted and approved of of Abel's? offering, sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. What is the next line? Cain was angry. He, he, God accepted Abel's offering because of his, it was given in a, the, the pure attitude of his, of his heart. What about abortion? Would that go in here? Murder? Yeah. I mean, if life begins at conception, so, I mean, I, I would say yes. Okay. 
So let's move on. But but yes. <laughs> and and so he so it's not just and, and all of these kind of hit the same thing. It's it's the action, but then it's the it, it's it's Jesus takes it beyond that. He's come to fulfill or complete the law. Now you can go through life and never kill anyone, murder anyone. But can you go through life and not be angry at anyone? Okay, so life is, it could be long. I mean, it could be 90-something years, right? We have some examples in here, one example in here. <laughs> a couple more getting pretty close. But can you go a, a year without being angry with anyone? Okay, I can't. I mean, maybe you can. You know, can you go a month? Can you go a week? Can you go a day? Can you go an hour? Maybe an hour if I'm asleep, you know. So he, he, he takes it beyond what the letter of the law says. It's your heart. It's matters of your heart. And then he says, I've, I've, I've got to find this. Okay. This, this other disposition, he, he says, it's disdain for someone. First it's, first it's anger, but then he moves into if, 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 Okay, if whoever insults his brother, what it, what's your translation? If someone says raka to, to your, your, your brother, it's, it's a contempt of that person. It's a disdain for that person. And they say that raka literally, literally means you idiot, you moron, you bozo. It, that, it, that it's this dis, you know, disdain for the, for the person. But then he says, if you go on and you say, you fool, that that, that actually means scoundrel. It, it, it means a contempt for that person's heart and character. You know, the, the rock I would be for that person's mind. You're just an idiot. You don't think like you should. But then, then when you get into, well, your heart and your character is just diabolical, even demonic. It's, it's, it's even worse. And so Jesus moves from, were you raising your hand? What if it's true? <laughs> I don't know. But he, like, like Biden yesterday talking about Putin, you know. <laughs> called him all these things. But notice he doesn't say who's in the right. He just says, don't do it. So I'm going to say his intent, Jesus' intent is, it doesn't matter if it's true. Don't, don't say it. Don't, don't think that. Don't act that way. He even, and, and, and case in point, the next one is if, if you remember that your brother has something against you. Now, there could be two ways of saying that or there could be two things that happen. But notice the one that, that Jesus says, you remember your brother has something against you. He didn't say, you remember you have something against your brother. I mean, it would, it would apply, but he's saying, oh, you remember. It's like, I can't help it if he's mad at me. You know, he's a raka. He's, he's a fool. He's, he's, it's like, no. If, if you remember your brother has something against you, then leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to him. 
And then he even moves beyond that, not just a brother who would be a, a countryman, man, a fellow Jew, a fellow Christian. He, he moves on to an adversary, your, your accuser, which is not necessarily, you know, one of, of our brothers or sisters or family members or, or fellow Christians. He's like, if, if your adversary has something against you, is taking you to court, go and, 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 and make things right with him or else you're liable to be thrown in jail and, and not get out until you've paid every, every last penny. So he, he goes, it's, it's beyond that. He, he, and he ignores who's right in the situation. You know, maybe your brother has something against you that you are in the right. But he says, don't stop there. All this leads to, to, to murder, to anger, which leads to murder. And then, then the next one, he moves on. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. Remember 1976. Well, sort of. It was bicentennial. But what else happened in 1976? Okay, that was wide open. Okay, I'll give you a name. Jimmy Carter. And, you know, a Baptist from Georgia. And he gave an interview to, remember the publication? It's okay to say it. That doesn't mean you bought it. Doesn't mean you read it. But he gave an interview to Playboy magazine, right? And, and, and he said, I have lusted after other women in my heart. 1976, that would be 46 years ago. And our society then did not get that, understand that one iota. It's like, what? How can that be adultery? You know, you're just thinking something. And, and so it's, it's, this is different than the world thinks, than, than the Jews would think in the first century, and certainly different than what our society and culture would say it's the intent. He's going to the heart. Yeah, the law says this, and you can avoid that, but it's what's in your heart. This is how your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, that they keep these laws, they, they follow these minute details of their interpretation and, and their translations of the law, but God sees the heart. You know, why was David chosen, the last of his brothers? God knows the, 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 the heart. So he's saying that, that take it down, go, go down deep inside you and, 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 and don't indulge even in lustful uh, looks or, 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 or longings. One, two. So that's two out, out of the six. Then he moves in to divorce. It, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And, and Moses recorded the regulations for divorce in, in Deuteronomy 24, um, that would, that would regulate divorce, but that was just because they were 
over, uh, they, they, they were divorcing for, 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 for reasons not at all a reason. And by the first century, they, the, the, the commentary say, this kind of shocked me, but that divorce was very common. And it's all one-sided. It's, it's, it's the man's side, the paternal society they, they lived in. But that a man could divorce his wife for anything. Some rabbis taught, I think, Halal, okay, one of the big rabbis of the time, there's Gamaliel and Hillel, Hillel taught, even if she burned your supper or cooked the wrong thing, you could divorce her. It's this no fault, no contest divorce, much like we have now. And all the man had to do was say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And it was, and it was final as far as their, the scribe's uh, interpretation of, of the law. You know, so if it's like, okay, I've said it twice. Don't make me say it a third time. And he says... Whoever does this, you know, Moses allowed it, but God's perfect law was from Genesis 2 that, that a man, you know, the two shall be, be one flesh, that a man shall cling to his wife forever. And, it, and it, so he's, he's, he, he goes beyond their interpretation and says that you divorce your wife except for sexual immorality. Paul ex extends it even into uh, ab abandonment, but that, that he, he's trying to get to, you're causing her to commit adultery. You're causing the, the one who marries her to commit a, a, adultery. And so that it's, it's, it's something that was common for them. And Jesus says, this is not the intent. It's, it's, it goes to uh, back to the heart. Then the next one he comes to says, Again, you've heard it said, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. That, that the, 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 the idea, the concept, this, this goes to the, back to the ninth commandment about bearing false witness, about bearing false witness. Why? Is that important? Or what is the cause of having such a, uh, such a commandment or, 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 or a law? Okay, now I'm going to tell you. The tongue is guilty of, of, of many things. It's, it's, you have to have this prohibition against lying because people are prone to lie. You, you, and and you, you have this, I swear by, blank, 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 because people do not believe other people. The, 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 the tongue, uh, one writer put it, is guilty of false witness, lying, gossip, slander, boasting, flattery, cursing. I just just kind of, you know, bounce that around for a little while. It's like, you know, maybe our tongue sins more than any other part of our body. You know, more than our eye or our hands or our feet or, you know. I mean, because sometimes our tongue works when our brain is not working. Um, so, so he said, don't, don't swear by anything. Don't, don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by the hair on your head or, you know, the lack thereof. Make your yes be yes and your, and your no be, be no. So that rabbis... 
in the, of, of the first century. They taught that not all oaths are binding. It, it depends on how you word something. They say that you can, if you swear by Jerusalem, it's not, it's not binding. But if you swear toward Jerusalem, it's binding. It's like a, you know, the fine point of the, of, of the law. If you swear by the temple, it's not binding. But if you swear by the, the gold of the temple, it's binding. You know, so it's kind of like you got to listen to what this person is saying. I swear by the temple. Okay, that sounds pretty strong. Well, it's not binding. But if he says, I swear by the gold of the temple, it's binding. Or if you swear by the altar at the temple, it's, it's not binding. If you swear by the gift that's on the altar, it is binding. He's saying, you don't need any of that. Make your yes be yes and, and, your, no be yet, and your no be no. And he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right hand, turn to him the other also. If anyone sues you for your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs and do not refuse the one who would borrow money. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. You know, that was, that was kind of a, a, a different part of the Mosaic law than, than many other ancients and even, even modern countries that it, if someone stole, they didn't cut your hand off, according to the Mosaic law. You gave back double. And, and so he says, you've heard it said, you know, restitution, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, for, that's not the way you're going to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees if someone hits you. Now, other than the tribe of Benjamin, most people are right-handed. Remember, there are a lot of lefties in the tribe of Benjamin. So if somebody slaps you, number one, you're face-to-face, right? So if they're right-handed and they slap you on the right cheek, it, it's mostly a backhand, which is a, a, a double insult. And he said, if, if they've, they've not only slapped you, they've insulted you by backhanding you, you know? I mean, John Wayne was the only one that could get by with that and, and not get killed. They, that they've just double insulted you. He said, turn to them the other cheek. This is just counterin, counterintuitive to everything that we think or how we would re- react. And he's saying, if somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. If they sue you and take your tunic, your, your undershirt, then give them your outer shirt either, your, your, your coat also. Maybe a little bit of hyperbole in that because they would wear two garments. And he's saying, just give them both to them. I mean, it, you know, it, yeah. And then if he, someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. This is, you know, you've, you've, you've heard it, uh, I, I'm sure, but this was in regard to Roman soldiers who could who could require anybody to carry their, their pack, their, their uh, weapons for, for a mile. And he's saying, don't just go one mile, go, go two miles. You know, it would be like, we, we probably have a, a, a difficulty, you know, understanding that, but say the people in Ukraine and, and a Russian says, here, I want you to carry, you know, my pack and all this stuff. I'm going to keep the gun. You know, if somebody invaded the United States 
and all of a sudden that, that, that invading army, they just conscripted people, here, carry our supplies, carry this, this stuff. I mean, the, 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 the Jews hated the Romans, even in Galilee, where there had just been the brutality of, of, of Roman soldiers and wiping out villages and killing people. And he's saying, if, if they come to you as much as you hate them and they ask you to uh, take their pack and carry it a mile, go with them two miles, you know. And then I, I don't know how this next part, uh, you know, applies to if some give to the one who begs from you. I mean, our society in the last 20 or 30 years, if you, if you ever go downtown, you don't even have to go downtown anymore. For, for people with the cardboard signs and, you know. But if you are downtown and you park and you get out, I mean, there's certain parts where, where, where I go that it's, you'll get, you'll get hit up like 14 times from, from where you park to you get into the building of people begging. It's like, I can't carry enough money to give something to all of them. You know, but he's saying if they give to the one that, that, that begs and if, if somebody wants to borrow money, let them borrow it. It's, it's matters of the heart. How do we how do we uh, how do we view that? Do we just think no? They got to get their own. And then the the final uh, number six out of the six. He kind of he's he's taking. You've heard it said, but he but he takes uh, Jesus truthfully says. You've heard it said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what they had heard. But that wasn't based on the Old Testament. Love your neighbor was based on the Old Testament. But they had already expanded it to hate your enemy. Though they were supposed to, to they said, hate those who hate God. That's not necessarily their enemy. Hate those who do evil. That's not their, their enemy. It's, they've already expanded it to hating their own enemy. And he says, what? Love your enemy and pray for those who, who, uh, who, who persecute you. They might even say, well, who's my neighbor? And we know there's a, a, a parable that, that, that Luke tells about loving your, your, your neighbor that he says, don't return good for evil or, or do return good for evil and, and love your, your enemies. I mean, that's kind of a whirlwind look at, at these 28 verses, but is it possible? I mean, can anyone live a life as perfect as God? Well, no, we, we can't. I came across this uh, Philip Yancey, his book, the Jesus I Never Knew, journalist who he, he kind of goes back and he's got to love his brain. It's like, I didn't think of any of this stuff, uh, of, of, of going back and just analyzing things he was taught in Sunday school and, and his early life in, in church. The, the book was published in 1995. So 27 years ago, and he says that he, he went to a friend of his and I, I don't know if, if y'all know this person. It would probably be Dr. Vir Virginia Stem Owens, an English professor at Texas A&M. And she assigned uh, her class, her composition class, to, to read the Sermon on the Mount and then write a short essay. 
And so Philip Yancey knew that, and he's, he's, he and she are both thinking, this is a conservative university. This is, you know, perhaps in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, you know, Texas. What kind of reaction did she get? Here's, here's just a, 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 a few of them. One student wrote, in my opinion, the sermon is one big hoax. The stuff that churches preach is extremely strict and allows for almost no fun without thinking it's a sin or not. This was in 1990, before 1995, because he wrote the book in 1995. Another one said, I did not like the essay, Sermon on the Mount. It was hard to read and made me feel like I had to be perfect and no one is. The things asked in this sermon are absurd. To look at a woman as adultery, that is the most extreme, stupid, unhuman statement I've ever heard. <laughs> is the Sermon on the Mount, is it easy or is it hard? You know, the, the first, the hearers, the first audience that Jesus taught would have he, he started by saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. And they're already thinking, there's no way. Those guys are, you know, they're close to perfect. And then he, and then he concludes with, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what are we to do? Okay, just because you can't doesn't mean you shouldn't try. I mean, that is certainly one big point is to strive toward that. And where does it start? He's over and over and over. Jesus' examples are in our heart. Where is our heart? What, what are we, uh, how do we think? Do we just want to follow a, 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 the letter of the law? That's what the, the, the scribes and Pharisees did. Jesus says, don't be angry with your brother. Don't have disdain for your brother. If, if you realize somebody has something against you, go to him. If you realize your adversary has something against you, go to them. And that, that he expands it beyond that. Paul to the Romans said, where sin increased, grace increases all the more. That, yeah, we can't do it, but we can strive for it. But the, but the, the answer is God's grace. And, and, and the answer is we are, we're, we're, not, we're judged then when we're believers by the righteousness of Christ, not our righteousness, which is a good thing. The, the best example, it, it's, and, and, you know, when you, if you grew up in a Baptist church, especially, you know, back in the old days, they had royal ambassadors. And I know I shared this last week too, but it's like this, this 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. That was the, the motto of, of the royal ambassadors. But if you go a little before that and a little beyond that, Paul writing to the, uh, to the Corinthians, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to him, 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ was, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how does your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees? It's to be reconciled to God through Christ and then his righteousness is counted toward our righteousness. Now, that's a lot to, for those synapses to just compute all together. How does he do it? That's how God saves us and how he views us, not because of our righteousness, which is terrible. I mean, it's non-existent. But by Christ's righteousness, he came to fulfill, to complete the law. He lived the perfect life. He, he didn't come to abolish the law. And then he goes on, uh, Hebrews 8 kind of copies Jeremiah 3.3 3, where God is making a new covenant and he's going to put his law in there in our hearts. So now we know it's, this is what, how God intends us to live. Okay, last week we did two verses. This week we did 28. Next week, I don't know, but we'll start even number six, chapter six, verse one. Anything else, any observations that, that you, I know I left out tons and tons and tons, but, you know, but we can strive for it, just like Barbara, Barbara said, even though we're, we're, we're going to, to fail, but where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Well, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll go. Our Father, we thank you for your word, God, what it teaches us about you and your, just your incredible love, your mercy, and your grace. God, may we, may we read these words and, and, and realize that many times we get, we get caught up in just our actions and, and, and the letter of the law, but we don't, we don't take it to our heart that we do become angry at others, that we hate our enemies. God, may we be loving people and praying people to, to lift up others to you. Thank you, God, for being faithful to forgive our sin when we, when we confess our sin. God, just, just lead us to repentance that we might have that, uh, that renewal of our fellowship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.